Welcome to the Start Your Journey podcast, helping Atlantic Canadian student-athletes navigate the NCAA recruiting process. Each episode, you can eavesdrop on conversations with NCAA student-athletes, past and present, coaches, parents, and learn about the latest tools to boost your chances of getting discovered. Here's your host, former pro hockey player, digital marketing entrepreneur, and green smoothie drinker, Chris Nadeau. But before we get started, here are our friends, Pearl Jam. In today's episode, I am actually the one being interviewed by Martin McKinnon. Thank you, Martin, for allowing us to share this interview on the Start Your Journey podcast, and we can't wait for the launch of your new podcast about minor hockey. The reason I wanted to share this interview is because I think Martin did a great job in pulling out the reason why many athletes get started in their sport and why they continue to play. It's for the love of the game. And in this interview, we talk about my love for the game of hockey and how that love guided me to that next step in the game as a player, coach, and parent. I know for most of you out there, the minor hockey season is wrapping up, and I would love for you to listen to this episode and let me know if you think the love of the game is still there for you, whether you're a player, parent, or coach. Thank you for listening, and enjoy today's episode. Chris, thank you very much for uh, joining me today. It's uh, a real pleasure to be able to speak with you. Um, you know, as a professional, former professional athlete and a coach, and I guess more more importantly, as a dad to two athletes, I think you have a unique perspective on sports, and you're now an entrepreneur who also has, um, you know, some interesting sidelines with respect to sports as well. So I thought uh, it was going to be really interesting to talk to you today about that and about minor sports and uh you know, amateur athletes in particular. Um, I'm interested in your background, Chris, a little bit about, uh, you know, what got you interested in sports over time. And I know you, you were a professional hockey player. So can you tell me a little bit about your experience growing up uh, playing minor hockey? For sure, Martin. And first of all, thanks for having me on the show. Uh, looking forward to our conversation. But as far as me, uh, being an athlete and getting involved in sports, uh, I don't know if it was my uh, my father, my mother, or my grandmother or grandparents who kind of introduced me to sports. But at a very young age, like I'm going to say five or six, I just took a liking to any type of sport. Wouldn't matter if it was hockey, baseball, tennis, golf, basketball, badminton, you name it. If it was a sport, I wanted to play it. I would be going outside, playing sports all day long, coming in for supper, going back out to play sports. You know, it's probably typical to a lot of guys our age or my age anyway. I don't know exactly your age, Martin. But um, so so I always just wanted to play sports. And uh, growing up, I, uh, I kind of, I guess, was – fell in love with hockey first. Like I saw a Montreal Canadiens game and they played the Russians. It was a 1977 game, I think. And they, it was a New Year's Eve sort of deal and fell in love with Gila Fleur streaking down the wing and hair flowing and no helmet. Right. And I said, I want to do that. That looks like fun. I want to do that. Um, so I, I, it was a bit late when I started hockey and, uh, I, I started uh, playing like, I guess what you would call competitive hockey. I played street hockey and on the pond all the time, but I started playing hockey competitively when I was 10. 
Um, and then I, I kind of played hockey in the winter, did the baseball thing in the summer, looked really forward to playing baseball when that came along. And then, you know, loving baseball and then hockey was coming. Didn't think I wanted to play hockey because I was having so much fun playing baseball, but then hockey started and I never wanted to play baseball again. Right. So, uh, so I did that for a number of years and kind of, and also loved playing. Like as I got older, I just loved playing. Like I would go out and play pickup basketball or grab tennis rackets and go play tennis and started playing golf at 15. I just, as I mentioned, I just loved playing sports. So, so that's kind of like how I, I, I got, got into sport I guess it was just something that I always wanted to do um did you want me to touch in like touch on how I went from there or? yeah yeah please do but I, I I'm I have to make a comment that it it interests me a lot that that you really uh emphasize how much you loved it and uh and I think that'll probably come up later on in the conversation as well as to the importance of of uh what you put on sports and and probably your success as well as is your your true love of the game. Is that fair to say? I totally agree. hundred percent. I think it should always be fun. And if you ask any kid uh, why they play sports or even ask their parent why they want them to play sports, it always comes back to having fun and enjoying the sport, right? Is the initial reason for getting into it. I, I think most of the time. So uh, we'll touch on that later, like you mentioned, but I guess, so when I was like 14, 15, I was still playing baseball. I was a pretty good ball player. Uh, I had some success at Bantam, decided that I, I, I could still play baseball, but um, did you hear me tell the part about my old man? And No. Oh, okay. So he, he always said to me, you should have stuck with baseball, Chris. Uh, you were a better baseball player. And, uh, but I, as we talked about earlier, I had more fun playing hockey. Like I still, I loved it more and I wanted to kind of chase that dream. So Packed in the baseball that summer and trained hard for hockey. And I made midget AAA that year as a, as a 16 year old, my first year midget, but didn't have a great year. I was a bit nervous kind of, I was always a bit slow to adapt. I was a bit tentative. Uh, so that didn't showcase well in, in midget AAA hockey. Right. So um, that year, a bunch of my friends and buddies were getting drafted and scouted and going to all these tryouts and I was getting a little bummed out. So I said, you know what? I'm going to pick up the phone and write letters and to all these general managers. Cause at the time we could do that for any league in the Maritimes. Like we didn't have to just go to the queue. It could have been the WHL, the OHL, the Quebec league. Right. Right. So uh, I wrote some letters and made some phone calls and uh, I got a tryout with the Hamilton Dukes. In and so this was in 1989 and they were an expansion team into the OHL and they were going to actually host the Memorial Cup that year, which was at Cops Coliseum. And uh, uh, to segue off that a little bit, it's a funny thing is they were so bad that year that they actually took the Memorial Cup away from them and and Oshawa ended up hosting it. Anyway, um, so I went to Hamilton, had a really good tryout, and I was like, wow, I can play with these guys. I made the team actually, but I didn't really enjoy the environment uh, in, in, in the setup there and everything. And it, I was homesick. I'm not going to lie. I wanted to come home. So I ended up playing midget AAA again that year, had a great year, got recruited by Dalhousie, played a couple years at Dal, didn't have, uh, it didn't end up working out like I had hoped. Um, so I went back and played tier two hockey with Halifax, Mooseheads at the time. That's what they were called before they became the Mooseheads in the Quebec Junior League. 
had a good year there. Uh, then Mike Johnson from UMB, University of New Brunswick, reached out to me and said he'd love to have me come play there. And I went there and played hot, uh, at UMB for three years. And like when I was younger, I still wanted to keep pushing to that next level. Um, so I, I decided to try and get a tryout in the American Hockey League. Picked up the phone again, got a tryout in Portland with the Pirates. Uh, got cut after week one. Wasn't a great training camp, wasn't a great tryout, but it was an experience. Uh, Barry Trotz was actually the coach there. Um, oh. So that was kind of cool. Um, and Barry Trotz actually cut me, so that's my claim to fame. But I, actually, while I was at that camp, I uh, was able to get noticed by a, an East Coast Hockey League coach. Um, and they asked me to come down there and play that year. And I ended up playing four years of uh, professional hockey and had a great, fun experience playing hockey. And that was down in the south, if I remember. Is that right? Yeah. So uh, Huntington, West Virginia was my first year pro. And then the next three years were in Shreveport, Louisiana. Shreveport. Yes. Excellent. Yeah. Tell yeah. me, just to go back a little bit, tell me about being 16 years old and and writing letters um you know who, who helped you with that how what was the what was the drive behind that was that again your love of the game was that trying to keep up with your buddies is that um you know all of the above tell me about being 16 writing letters and then you know trying to uh impress upon grown-ups that you deserved a chance uh well i think it's a bit of a combination of all those things um i i loved hockey and I, I was putting so much time into it and I loved doing it and training and for it that I wanted to have a chance to see what I look, if I, how I could compare against these so-called best players and junior at our, at our age. Right. So, um, and I, and I, and I knew my friends, some of them were getting drafted and I was like, well, yeah, they're good and they deserve to, but you know, I'm not that far behind from them. So like, why can't I go there? So I had a conversation with my parents and told them that I'd like to do this. And they said, well, Hey, it's, it's up to you. And they helped me kind of craft the letter. They didn't write it for me or anything, but they said here, and you know, gave me a couple grim, you know, grammar fixes here and there. But, uh, so I sent them out and made phone calls and, uh, and it just, it just, I got that phone call and decided to keep going and then moving forward with it. Well, that's impressive. And it, it, it strikes me that, you know, as a parent myself, the lessons that you would have learned from from doing something like that and making your own way would have been, you know, as powerful, arguably, as as making a hockey team. Um, you know, those sort of lessons and those sort of um, experiences that you've had through sport. Is that is that fair to say that they've been mostly positive for you? I would agree 100 percent. I mean, if you look back then and compare to how my life has been up until now, I've never been afraid to kind of put myself out there. Um, and maybe doing that at that time, let me realize that, Hey, it could work out. It might not work out, but that's okay. Right. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that that's trans transitioned uh, for you into your entrepreneurial career and, um, and perhaps even as a parent as well? Uh, big time. So, I mean, I, I find being an athlete when, if you decide you want to chase that kind of highest level of whatever you can play in whatever sport. I think you're almost kind of entrepreneurial, even if you do play in a team environment, it's kind of like you're the CEO of your own athletic career, trying to get to that next level training, putting the team around like a, whatever it's like getting nutritionalists now, or, you know, strength and conditioning coaches, like you're trying to build that team around you to help you get to that level. So I, I, I think you kind of become like a type A sort of personality, right? So I, I think it kind of made me veer towards the entrepreneurial life 
because of how I operated as an athlete. Fair enough. Yeah. And at the same time, if you go, go back to the, the famous uh, Wayne Gretzky story that still his ultimate drive, at least um, how he explains it, was still the love of the game. Yeah. Um, everything that everything, uh, every time that he practiced, it wasn't about practice. It was about the love of the game. And, and uh, you basically said the same thing. Yeah. And uh, I mean, we might touch on this a little bit later on, but I think as I got into the playing professionally, I still loved it, but it did become a bit of a job. Right. And the love of it kind of faded. Right. And when I came back and retired, I, I didn't have that same passion to put skates on and go get play men's league at 11 o'clock at night. Right. So <laughs> Uh, did it also make you nervous uh, with your own children as well when they started to, um, you know, become interested? I know Cade, um, you know, your oldest son played hockey. Yeah. One son played hockey yeah. for a while and was a successful young athlete at that sport as, uh, as he is now in tennis. But um, did any of the, the sort of the negative effects that hockey had on you and your life over time make you nervous about having your own kids join? I don't think there was any negative effects there because, well, I could be wrong, but I'm looking at, I know when they started, I always told Jody, my wife, that if our kids are going to play sports or hockey or let's use hockey, I said, I don't actually want to be on the ice with them. Like, you know how, when they start out in hockey, they get all the dads out there to help out and yes. run practice. And I said, I don't want my kids to play hockey because dad played hockey. Um, I want my kids to play hockey because they actually like hockey and I would do the same thing for soccer. If they were playing soccer, which they did, or if they tried baseball, I never really got involved in the coaching piece unless I knew they really liked it. And then I, I felt like if they're okay with me helping them play or coach a sport that they're involved in, it's kind of them giving me the, okay. I wasn't the one saying you're going to play hockey and I'm going to coach your team and we're going to do this. It always came from the kids. So I was never really didn't think there was any negative because I was always quite confident that my kids were doing what they wanted to do. Okay. That's good. That's good. So, but you did get into coaching um, at yeah. least I in hockey and I know you're very involved uh, in tennis as well, perhaps not as, yeah. as a coach, but uh, very involved, but just, just because my concentration is on hockey um, looking outside of, of your own um your own kids what do you think the effects were on the other kids that you coach what sort of positive aspects do you think that that you brought to the game that you hope to instill with these other children and and what were your observations about how that worked and what were some of the impediments and roadblocks to uh to having you uh sort of have these kids have the same experience that you did positive well, I always was, I, I do remember as a child when I played and we all do remember back in our day, it was normal and typical for coaches to be yelling and screaming and, you know, throwing garbage cans off the dressing room wall after a period. Right. So I think one of the things that I wanted to do, and I don't know, I, I obviously wasn't the only coach that wanted to do this, but I wanted to come in with more of a, like, a, I don't know what the word is, but I just, I, I didn't think that was needed as a coach. I thought I was, I was basically challenging myself to say, you don't need to have good minor hockey players, you know, or develop good minor hockey players to and be a yeller and a screamer. You can do it and be like a good guy, nice guy, play everybody fair. Um, 
create fun practices, a fun environment, and try to teach them things other than just hockey skills, but hopefully life skills as well too, right? So um, I'm hoping that when I coach, so I coached, uh, I coached all levels actually. So before I actually had kids, I coached Bantam AAA, I coached Midget, I coached the Vitos uh, as an assistant coach for a number of years. That's right, yes. Yeah. So, and then I, I coached Adam, uh, the Adam, as, as we all know, the double A league and then the Wee triple A league. So I was able to coach all levels and I kept that sort of same mentality as that. I want the kids to develop their skills. And I always took it upon myself to say, I'm challenging Chris Nadeau to say, you're going to show you're a good coach. If you can actually have teams that win, if we use winning as the benchmark, but you do it in a way that, you, you play everybody the same amount of time. You play fair, I, you know, give them fair ice. But where you do your real coaching is in practice. Right. Or, you know, so there's no, like, shortening benches or power play lineups or whatever, right? It's you I – will, I will benchmark myself or I will grade myself based on how well my, our team can, can, can use winning as a report card, right, I guess. So – um, whether we won or lost, it didn't really matter, but that's, I, that's how I kind of challenged myself. I wanted to be as good as I could on the ice with them in practice and, and teaching them, you know, before and after games about stuff that would hopefully help them become better hockey players and use some of those skills maybe as, as uh, moving on and other things in life. Did you get uh, pushback on that approach ever? Um, definitely. Yes. Um, Definitely, especially as I got into peewee. Um, when it, so that that kind of mantra, I'll call it, that I had was more when I was a head coach. When I was coaching Bantam AAA and, v, and the Vitos, I was always an assistant coach. And so, yes. uh, but as far as for me, um, I did have pushback in peewee because there were teams and other players who maybe were getting more ice time or in certain situations on other teams that – maybe parents that I was coaching thought maybe their children should have had with our team. But I, I, I just, you know, at the start of the year, I lay it on the line and say, this is what we're doing and this is how it's going to be. And uh, you know, and it, to me, I said, I'm not trying to pad my resume as a coach here. I, I don't really care how many wins or losses I had. It's more about hopefully developing players to love the game, continue on loving the game and get better at it. Um, so yeah, I mean, and the, the other thing I would always do is I would always keep parents involved. And I, yeah. I know one, one thing coaches I find I felt was like, it, it felt like it was like us against them, um, sort of mentality. And I, I, I thought it was better to kind of keep them involved. I would share, like, if we are doing anything technical or, or system wise, I would say, here's what we're doing in practice today so when you're at the game watching you'll understand why maybe we have a conversation with your son or daughter about this so that you know why we're talking about it right so I was very trying to keep everybody involved I agree with you I I I found in in my experience that the pendulum has swung so far uh, towards trying to protect the coach from the so-called crazy parent that yeah. most of the parents who are not crazy actually have very little access to a man or a woman who's spending tremendous amounts of time with their child, you know, sort of behind closed doors. And 
and, you know, delivering messages and, and delivering, you know, sort of um, ideas on life that cannot go questioned in any way. Um, and, and not that I think a lot of parents are looking to question, but I think parents deserve to understand um, sort of, you know, what is going on and what is being said. And, and so I, I like your approach for that, but I, but I find that minor hockey associations sometimes are, are so protective of the coaches that they're allowing them carte blanche not to, not to be communicators, which I think is unfortunate because I think that is part of the, the job of a coach. Just put yeah. sort of a spin on that, I guess. And I do think if, if we start to look at how numbers in hockey, like everybody's saying, how they are dropping a bit here and there, I don't know if that's 100% true. I haven't looked at any studies, but maybe parents are maybe a bigger part of the solution. Like maybe maybe you, they do need to get them back more involved, not in a way where they're on the ice coaching and everything, but just have them on board on the same page, kind of working together. And then that might keep, keep the uh, experience more enjoyable for kids. Yes, I could I like that idea. Yeah. for sure. Now you mentioned winning. Do you think? I mean, it's a it's a real open ended question. But do you think we put too much emphasis on winning um, in sport? Do you think it's important for kids to learn how to win? Do you think that it's important for our psychology? Um, some people argue that going forward, we you know we are are people that are in competition all the time, and we have to have that experience. We have to strive to winning. Um, what's, what's your idea on how important it is for 10, 11, 12 year old kids to learn how to win? Well, I do think fun and winning or fun and competition can exist together. Uh, so, um, one thing that I would always say to the kids when I was coaching is that what the scoreboard is at the end of the game is, is like a report card. It's, It's one of the report cards that you can get in the game of hockey. Does it mean it's the be all end all? No, but it does explain if you guys, as your, if your team is trying to do something or work on something, how is that resulting in the game on the scoreboard at the end? However, I would never ever say that, you know, we need to win this game. What I always wanted to see from our group of kids or our team was that they wanted to win. They showed on the ice like they wanted to win. Whether we won or lost, it didn't matter. It was more of that compete thing that I wanted to see. So I tried to be very clear and, and telling them, like, hey, Coach Chris doesn't care if we win this game. And they'd look at me like, Coach Chris got, like, six heads here. What is he talking about? <laughs> sure. Like, no, guys, I don't care if we win. What I do care about and what the other coaches care about here is that you actually show that you want to win on the ice by trying to execute, trying to push yourselves in certain areas that maybe you're trying to work on. Don't be afraid to make mistakes, doing the things that we've been working on in practice. And that's to me what winning is, right? So I, I, that's kind of, so do I think, I think there is too much onus on winning at the, at the young age, like as far as like the scoreboard uh, at the end of the game. And I think that's what drives a lot of kids away from the sport is because it becomes too much pressure, too much stress. Uh, Coaches want us to win whatever sport it is. And I I think it it just, you know, you don't need that stress, right? You'd rather go play video games or play a sport that's kind of fun and not worried about winning. Absolutely. And it certainly changes behavior. and, And now I'm speaking more on the adult side. It certainly changes the behavior of coaches and the behavior of parents when we focus so much on winning doesn't it 
uh, totally. Cause then you're, you're, you're kind of caught up into the whole emotion of winning. Right. And uh, that's where you start seeing some crazy things from coaches and parents and, you know, situations that you see in the news all the time about minor hockey. Right. So I agree. Yeah. Now you did, you did touch on uh, dropout rates in sports and, and I, I do agree there, there is a significant dropout. Um, John Sullivan from the Changing the Game Project um, talks about seven out of 10 um, athletes drop out of uh, minor league sports. At least this is U.S. data by the time they're 13 years old, 70%. And he has a a striking uh, picture on his website of a soccer team with X's sort of through 70% of the team uh, of 10-year-old girls, I think, that were playing soccer. Um, he says, you know, 70% of this team will not be playing sports. And he quotes a lot of different reasons. You've already spoke to some of them with respect to pressure and, and uh, you know, whether it's parental pressure, winning or coaches. Um, what do you think are the other sort of negative sides of sports that are going on nowadays that, uh, that are sort of driving kids out? Um, you know, maybe I'll prompt you a little bit. One of the things I think about a lot is cost. Um, what are your thoughts? Well, I think a lot of sports in general and not just hockey. I mean, I'm seeing it in tennis, like with my older guy and even my daughter, who's a cheerleader, like sports are becoming uh, a 12 month uh, thing. Like I I touched on before, like I played baseball for three months or four months and then played hockey. I mean, we all did that as kids. Right. But because, because I think it's turning into that 12 month sort of, year-round sport um you're seeing all these private companies trying to offer services to help those athletes get better and 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 that's fine i I get it and uh but it's just adding an extra burden to parents um because if you look at it if you were to just play minor hockey i i don't know what the, the the registration fee is but it's not that much money it's what 700 bucks i don't know 500 bucks in that range or i don't know what it is exactly or a thousand bucks when you think about it that's not lot loads of money but it's all this other stuff that's getting piled on top because everybody wants to kind of keep up with the joneses and right they want their son or daughter to have the opportunity to play at the highest level i think that's what's driving a lot of costs and then it's making parents stress because holy heck now we've got to get another mortgage or whatever, right. To pay for Johnny's hockey. Right. So, um, uh, I, I think, I think cost is definitely, uh, an issue. Um, I don't know if it's going to stop though, because, you know, maybe the big governing bodies have to maybe start slamming down some dates and saying you cannot participate like, and they should know it's probably better for their athletes to play different things, to do different things, to get away from the sport. Right. Like, um it's certainly hockey canada is is at least suggesting that um you know a lot of their communication in the last couple of years have been really around you know putting away the hockey stick putting away the skates for a while perhaps not you know um every month of the year but certainly putting them away for a while and getting away from the game is is what they believe is healthy for the development of of children so yeah, because I think more than now or more than ever, like the, 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 the boy or the girl that maybe doesn't come from a, a family with the means, uh, 
they're not going to get the play. They're not going to get the play at that high level where you heard of the stories back in the day of the, you know, they would go on the pond and play for hours and shoot pucks off the garage. But now like it's becoming so specialized and almost, you know, professionalized, right? Like it's, it's going to be difficult for those kids to, to break through. It, does that matter? I think it does, but to others, maybe it doesn't. Well, I think I think even the Chris Nadeau story of picking up organized hockey at 10 years of age is unheard of nowadays. Yeah. Kids that are 10 years of age playing high-level hockey have already been playing on traveling teams and, and specialized teams since they've been five or six years old. So even your own story is, is, would be unusual these days. Oh, that's a good point. That's a good point. And I think, what do you think about the fact, you know, I think that elite, sports are are beneficial i think we all love uh well not all of us but but a lot of us enjoy watching sports and certainly watching elite athletes and and we understand that there's a certain pathway to becoming an elite athlete but do you think that some of the organizing bodies and perhaps parents and organizations uh overall um are spending too much time and devoting too much interest in the elite side of it that it's allowing some of the players that may not become elite athletes to lose interest because quite frankly, the organization is not there to support them. Yeah, that's tricky. Cause you know, from a personal preference, I love working with elite, not, not elite athletes, but kids that want to play the sport and get better at it. Right. Like uh, I love mingling within that mix of people and, 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 and that sort of thing. So but what I guess, what is the definition of elite? Like, is elite making it to the NHL? As we know, and most of us have read, like, there's not a lot, it's not a high percentage. Um, and being a parent, I get caught up in this too sometimes, like, well, you never know, right? Like, you just never know. <laughs> right? Like, we have to give them the opportunity if they love it and want to play, right? Like, um, so... I, 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 what I will say is I think people or, play, or kids, sorry, not people, but kids that play rec sports probably have a better overall experience in sports than like, if you look majority at the numbers compared to the majority of the kids that go through the elite level. Yes. Yeah. What do you mean? Yeah. So how can we kind of maybe get back to combining those two so that it's got that sort of, recreational fun enjoyment feel but also have that compete and i don't know if we're getting that in hockey right now i i I honestly don't know i think that there are some new developments that i think are pretty neat um kb minor hockey for instance has uh has a new community hockey model uh, which is a, a less competitive less organized stream for kids that want to go out and have access to ice to play the game of hockey um, while it's still supporting kids that want to and parents that want to have structures that are more organized, um, perhaps more, quote unquote, elite, if you will, although you're right, the definition of that is is a little troublesome, um, but certainly more streamed uh, hockey programs, which I agree with. I, I would not argue with in any way as well, because there's some certainly kids that get great benefits, uh, just like you did going through those sort of streams as well. So. Sorry, go ahead, Chris. No, I was just going to say, like, and even for me, like, I was never an elite 
hockey player growing up I was always like I mentioned playing house league or B and then kind of started playing A in my second year you know of Bantam or whatever so um I I just think that one thing that I think we need to remember no matter what sport is like the path is so different. And um, I had a, a, an interview earlier today with uh, Van Burgess, who was an athlete from the Maritimes that I play professional hockey with in uh, Huntington. And we talked about, think about every single guy that sat in the dressing room on that Huntington team that we played for. Not one of the players' roots were or paths were, would have been the same, right? Like, so I think as coaches and, and parents, as you're putting your kids through the sports, I think that's one of the advantages of I, I've had at playing some sort of higher level of, of the sport was that I know the route can be so different. Like it doesn't have to be the Sidney Crosby route. It doesn't, right? right? right. Like, and, and if you just were to let that soak in, it would actually make you feel less and you shouldn't feel stressed. But as a parent, it, it might take that, it, it, you know, just let it be. Like let, <laughs> let the process happen. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think perhaps the love of the game comes out again and, and not to be too, um, you know, not to rely on that too much, but I, I, I always go back to that Wayne Gretzky story about the reason I practiced was because I loved it. I was never practicing to get to the NHL and, and, and the roots of hockey players, the, the, the ones that you hear that are a little bit different, I think that that thread weaves through them and, Maybe I maybe I need to talk to more uh, professional athletes like yourself or former professional athletes to see if that's true. But I really do suspect that it is true because it keeps people on the path, keeps them yeah. interested, keeps them playing. It keeps them, you know, they, they don't uh, fall apart the first time. They don't make the elite team, whatever that AAA team happens to be, because they continue to play for the love of the game. I, I agree 100%. I mean, let's look at my baseball example, right? Like, I didn't have that love anymore. I found the coaches that I was actually dealing with in baseball when I moved up to that next level were kind of a little not – they were aggressive. And I don't know if that's the right word to use, but it just – it wasn't making me want to go out and play anymore, which was a sport that I would have loved just as much as hockey. Right, right. That's very interesting. Well, maybe uh, on, the, on the, the last conversation of the love of the game, perhaps we should uh, leave the conversation there because uh, I think it's a, it's a good uh, end of the conversation, thinking about that, thinking about why we all play, thinking about why some of us still do go out at 11 o'clock on Friday night and play, <laughs> and, and play hockey. So I want to thank you very much for your time. I know you're a busy guy doing all kinds of different things, but I really appreciated the uh, conversation today. I really enjoyed it, actually. Awesome. Well, thanks for having me, Martin. And it was, uh, I definitely enjoyed the conversation. That's great. And thanks uh, for helping me on uh, my little journey here, Chris. We'll see where it, where it takes us. My pleasure.